You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truths from his word today. All right, let's take our Bibles and get right into God's word here this morning. One of my very favorite books of the Bible, the book of Philippians. It's a book of encouragement and a book of challenge. As I mentioned when we opened this morning, I'm going to speak on learning to be content, something that we, I believe we all struggle with, and maybe that's why the Word of God has so much to say about contentment. Now, our our key verse we're going to focus in on this morning is verse 11, but I want to be in verse 8. We're going to read right through verse 20, so uh, get your Bibles and follow along as I read. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful but lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in request of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Let me read that one more time. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to abase and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessities, not because I desired a gift, But I desired fruit that it may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphrodites the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And I think we could all say amen to that passage of Scripture. Let's go back. Verse 11. I have learned in whatsoever, really? Whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, 6 6-8, these words, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out, having food and raiment. That's it. Food and raiment. 
let us therewith be content. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5 says, Let your conversation or the way you live out your life be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. Over and over and over again in the scriptures, we find that exhortation given to us to be content with the things that the Lord has provided for us. The reason for this is I really believe that Satan will use discontentment in a very effective way to lead us all out of the will of God. Now, the definition of discontent reads as this, a restless desire or craving for something that one does not have. A restless desire or craving for something that one does not have. Have you ever been discontent? It goes on, a lack of satisfaction. A lack of satisfaction with one's possessions, status, or situation in life. And then it says this, a lack of contentment. Discontentment. Someone has said this, if you are willing to run away from God, Satan will always provide the transportation. And isn't that true? When I think of the temptation of Christ, I have, I have it actually written out here, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through verse 11. I'm not going to take time to read all 11 verses, but you may want to go back and look at the temptation of Christ in the wilderness. Remember, he fasted 40 days, 40 nights after he was hungered, and in a weakened state, Satan comes to him and tempts him. Now, as you look at the temptation of Christ, what was Satan trying to do? He was trying to get Christ to be discontent in the situation that he found himself in. And that's why he said, take these stones and turn them into bread. You could do that. And yet we know the Lord Jesus resisted Satan's temptation in that area. He would not allow himself to become discontent. Remember, he took him up to a high mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and said, all of these kingdoms I will give you if you'll just bow down and worship me. What was he trying to get Christ to do? To be discontent. And yet we know again that Christ resisted Satan and Satan left him. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan. You are not going to make me discontent, and I will not give in to your temptation and make a decision out of the will of God because of a discontented spirit. Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil left him, and beheld angels came and ministered unto him. <clears throat> As I was preparing this message and I was thinking back over all my years of ministry, 37 years now of ministry, I begin to reflect and I begin to think 
upon individuals that I have watched make decisions out of a spirit of discontentment because they were dissatisfied with their plight in life. Many of them made life-changing decisions based on a spirit of discontentment. And now as I've been able to look back on their life and where their life has taken them, in almost every case, it's been devastating. Whenever you make a decision out of the temptation of Satan to fulfill and to satisfy your personal desire because you are discontent, it will always be a wrong decision. Think about that. Every time you make a decision out of a spirit of discontentment, it will always be a wrong decision. And there will be a consequence for every decision that we make in life. Satan loves to get us to be discontent. Because as we become discontent, we become very vulnerable, very vulnerable to his deceptions and his temptations. We find it almost impossible to resist him, and he leads us very quickly out of the will of God for our lives. Satan will even, and I've watched this through my observation, a lot of the Proverbs Solomon wrote were out of his observation. And my observation has been this, that Satan will even use people we love, people who love us, people who have good intentions, will sometimes pressure us and advise us and counsel us and encourage us to make decisions out of the will of God because they see that we are in an unhappy state, that we are discontent and they they simply want us to be happy and so they encourage us in a wrong direction. Many examples of this could be cited in scripture, but let me just pull one out, and that is Abraham and Sarah. God had promised that he was going to give them a son, and that son would be the promised seed, and through that son would come a great nation. Not only through that son would come a great nation, but would come a savior of the world. And yet Abraham is 100 years old, and Sarah is 90 years old. And they still had not had a son. The last I knew, there's not too many hundred-year-old men that are fathering children. And there's not too many 90-year-old women that are pregnant. So in a state of discontentment, especially on Sarah's side, she comes to her husband and she concocts this idea that he can have a son... Through her handmaid, Hagar. And so based on a spirit of discontentment, they move forward. And we know the story. A son was conceived. And I want you to think about this. There were devastating consequences because of that decision. Consequences, listen to me church, that we are still experiencing to this very day. Satan always wants you to believe that the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. 
Because on the other side of the fence is outside of the will of God. As I was preparing for this message this morning, I came across some studies that had been done concerning discontentment. And this one I came across I thought was was very interesting. Stated that if you are a person who is discontented, you will be very unhappy in life. You will be grumpy, maybe angry and bitter. You will be prone to lashing out. You will become perhaps compulsive in your spending. You will become self-focused. You may turn to substance abuse such as alcohol and drugs in order to find contentment in life. Some will turn to gambling, others to isolating themselves. There's the emotional suppression such as stuffing your feelings down further and further, kind of clamming up. Depression, over and under eating which they called emotional eating or feeding your feelings. I think we all would say, hey, I've seen that, or perhaps even say I've experienced those things in my own life. That's why I said it is so devastating to allow yourself to have a spirit of discontentment and how Satan will absolutely run with that. But I think you would all agree with me that being content is a very difficult thing, especially when we have everything appealing to our flesh. Paul said, I have learned. Contentment has to be learned. I have learned. It's not natural for us to be content. I mean, how many children are content? No, most children are very demanding. They're not content. To find a contented child is a rare thing. Of all my ten children, I never had one that was content when they were little. But that seems to follow right through our lives unless we learn to be content. And listen, let me say it again. In whatsoever state we find ourselves. So I have a question for you before we move forward this morning. Have you learned to be content? I've heard it said that preachers seem to always preach on things that they personally struggle with. That's not true. But it is true today. (laughs) Which one of us listening today do not struggle with being content? I think that's why the Apostle Paul said, I die daily. That's a verse we've all heard. We hear it over and over again. But what does it mean to die daily? It means to die to our desires, to not allow ourselves to become discontent, something that would take us out of the will of God for our lives. Now, I'm going to take this message this morning in a kind of a side direction here. And I believe the Lord would have us to do this. And then we're going to come back. This will be the first part of this series. We're going to come back next week to talk about more concerning discontentment. 
But discerning the will of God and his desire for our life, not our desire for our lives, but his desire for our life, I believe is so important when it comes to learning contentment. How can we ever learn to be content if we don't even know what God's will is for our life? So I want to share some principles that I have used over the years to counsel individuals as well as to help myself determine what is the will of God in a a given matter. Uh, Often people come to me for counseling for various reasons, but many times they come and they say, Pastor, I have this decision that I need to make, or I have this opportunity out here. Uh, Could you give me some advice? Could you give me some counsel in how I could know whether God is in this or not? And so over the years, I've used, and I'm going to give them to you here, 20 principles. don't Don't get afraid. We're not going to take five minutes on each one. We are actually during our morning devotional time we started friday and it'll continue throughout this week talking about how to discern the will of god and we're going to come and look at some of these principles in depth uh, during those sessions so we encourage you if you can uh, to tune in uh, monday tuesday or monday wednesday and friday as we continue to talk about the will of god but this morning let's look at some principles Some principles that we can use, that we can pull from Scripture that will help us discern what God's will is for our life. And again, I got 20 of them down there. I actually have written them in the flyleaf of my Bible right here because I believe they're so important. Listen, what could be more important than knowing the will of God for your life and then finding contentment in the center of His will? So number one, Number one, you want to jot this down, and hopefully you have something to write with. Number one, and and I believe this is the most difficult of all of them, is getting your heart in a condition that it has no will of its own. You've heard me preach about that before. Getting your heart in a condition that it has no will of its own. Of course, the Lord Jesus is our example of this. Not my will, not not my desire, but thine be done. Thy desire. He says to the Father, I want that to be done. Getting getting your desires into a position of neutrality is very difficult. Listen, how in the world will we ever be able to discern the will of God when we have our will at the top of our agenda? So we have to get our heart in a condition that it has no will of its own. Put it in neutral. Number two, Number two, we need to clear our heart of any known sin or wrong motives. You know, there's a lot of times there's sin that is hidden deep down in our heart that we don't even know until God exposes that. And there's wrong motives behind the decisions that we are making in life. James 4 and verse 3 says this, Ye ask and ye receive not because ye ask amiss. Our motives aren't right that ye may consume it upon your lust. Psalm 139, verse 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. Not, Not leading me in my own will and my own desire, but lead me in your will and your desire. The Bible said, Who will really hear a word from the Lord? Those who have clean hands and a pure heart. So we get our heart in a condition that it has no will of its own, and then we clear our heart of any known sin and wrong motives that there may be there. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. Number three, 
Once we get those first two down, now we can move to number three, and that is we begin to search the scriptures to discover what God's will is. Acts chapter 17 and verse 11, the Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians in that they received the word with all readiness. They were excited to hear the word of God preached to them. And they searched the scriptures daily whether these things were so. So discover the, to discover the will of God for your life, listen, you need to search the scriptures. Get into the word of God. Remember, all scriptures profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. So if you want to walk in the perfect will of God for your life, start searching the scriptures. Number four. is look back on your experiences in life. You say, preacher, why, why would you say that? Because the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through verse 4, that experience produces hope. You know, a lot of times we just need to stop and look at, hey, I made this decision before in my life and things didn't go very well. You know, isn't it foolish to make the same mistakes over and over and over and over again? But all of you, all of you, let's be honest, all of you can look back and see people who continue, instead of looking back at their experiences and saying that didn't turn out too well, will make the same mistakes over and over and over and over again. Listen, learn from the experiences that you have in life. It's a wonderful way to determine what God's will is in a decision that you may have to make. So you can look at yourself. You can also look at others. I've heard especially young people say, well, let us make our own mistakes. That's a foolish, foolish, foolish. That's the thing I've ever heard. Don't be foolish. Number five. is get some godly counsel from older, mature believers in Christ. Get some godly counsel from older and mature believers in life. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Don't listen to the world. Don't go to the world. Don't go to your ungodly friends for counsel and advice, go to older, mature believers. Throughout Proverbs, Solomon is always telling us to go and get good, sound counsel. He said, The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. There is no con- Where no counsel is, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors there is safety. Hear counsel and receive instructions that thou mayest be wise in the latter end. Over and over and over again. Those were just three that I selected. But throughout the book of Proverbs, Solomon tells us to get good, godly counsel. Number six. Number six is get counsel from good, godly friends. We talked about getting some counsel from older, godly, mature believers. But maybe you have some some close friends 
that walk with God. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17, iron sharpens iron. You've all heard that verse, right? Iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friends. But always make sure that your, your counsel that you're receiving from your friends, first of all, that they're walking with God, that they have the mind of God, that they know the word of God, not that they're carnal believers, but they're spiritually minded and that their counsel lines up with Scripture. I want to give a, a word here to all those teenagers who are listening to me right now. The most foolish thing that you can do is go to other teenagers for counsel and advice. Go to older, godly, mature believers and go to godly friends who are walking with the Lord. Please, please do not seek out the counsel of the carnal. Let's go to number seven. We're moving our way quickly through this today. Number seven are sermons. Our sermons. Believe it or not, God can give you direction uh, as it pertains to his will simply by sermons that are preached. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 13, Paul says to the Thessalonians, he says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe. So as the word of God is being preached, I hope today that you're really taking this message to heart. You're asking yourself, do I have a spirit of discontentment? Do I really understand and know the will of God for my life? And, and am I finding contentment in living out God's will for my life? So as we work our way through this message this morning, jot these things down because they will be so beneficial to you in life. There's a lot you can learn by listening to the preacher. Not saying, ah, oh, that's just the preacher's idea. But no, this is the word of God which can effectually work in me if I allow it to. Let's go to number eight. Number eight are circumstances. Now let me give a warning on this one. The Bible talks about open doors and closed doors. A couple verses here. 1 Corinthians 16.9 talks about God opening doors. And Acts chapter 16 and verse 6 talks about God closing doors. So God will open opportunities and he'll close down opportunities. Let me say this. When God closes a door, don't try to kick it in. Just accept God, God closed that door for me. But I also say this. Satan can also open and close doors. So don't just look at this one and set it separate from all of the others. Number nine is common sense. Have you ever... Have you ever said about someone, I just wish they'd exercise some common sense once in a while? 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 33 said, For God is not the author of confusion. Use some common sense when it comes to making decisions. Let me throw a couple things out there for you. Is it the will of God to buy things that you can't afford? Yes or no? Well, obviously the answer to that is no. That's just common sense. You don't buy things that you can't afford, and yet people do it all the time, right? And they get themselves into financial trouble. 
I think uh, one thing we need to ask ourselves, how, how will this decision that I'm about to make, how will it affect my husband? How will it affect my wife? How will it affect my children? How will it affect my grandchildren? How will it affect my church family? Because every decision we make is going to affect someone else. No man lives unto himself. No man dies unto himself. Whatever decisions we make affect others. So how is this decision going to affect? It's just common sense to ask that question. What are the pros and cons? And yet many times people don't even take time to write down what are the pros or what are the cons to the decision that I'm going to make here. Take some time and do that. Ask yourself the question, is this a selfish decision that I'm about to make? Am I making this out of the lust of the flesh? Am I making this decision because I'm discontent? Am I making this decision because I'm unhappy and I hope that this change in life or getting this or going there or doing that will make me happy? It's so important that we just use some common sense when it comes to making decisions. Number 10. We're halfway there. Number 10 is listen to the cautions of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 10 through verse 15 talks about how the Holy Spirit will prompt us. He'll put cautions within our heart. He will lead us and he will guide us. But you have to listen to the Holy Spirit. So you ever, you ever had those times when you really wanted to do something or make a decision or go a certain direction in your life, but you just had a caution about it? Why does the Lord put those cautions there to get us to stop and really think this thing through before we impulsively make a decision? So listen to the cautions of the Holy Spirit. Number 11. Number 11. Government. Law. God can use the government to give us some direction in life and help us to make decisions in the center of God's will. God tells us to submit to all those who are in authority that we may live a quiet and a peaceable life. Romans chapter 13 says that our governmental officials are ministers of God to thee for good. When it comes to reopening our church, we're going to be looking to the government to give us some direction on how we will go about opening our church ministry. But remember... That if the government is ever asking you or forcing you to do something that's contrary to this book, we ought to obey God rather than man. Number 12. This is a phenomenal idea. How about your parents? Can God give you direction in life through your parents? Well, obviously, absolutely. Doesn't put an age limit on this. I was glad when my parents were alive and I could call and ask my dad for some counsel and for some advice. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8 through verse 9 says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace upon thy head and chains about thy neck. God will reward you for listening to your father and to your mother and the advice and counsel that they have to give to you. Number 13. God can give us direction through our husbands, ladies. He's the head of the wife. 
even as Christ is the head of the church. And husbands, God can give you direction through your wife, who God says is your helpmate. If our wives have a real strong caution about something, then we really ought to take that to heart and we ought to pray through that. Wives, if, you're, if your husband uh, simply does not want to go in the direction that you think you should go, you need to yield and submit to his authority in your life. That is the will of God. Number 14, don't be stubborn. There's a lot of stubborn people. 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 23 says, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Don't be stubborn. If God is showing you that you are about to make a decision outside of his will, it's okay to change your mind. Don't be stubborn and say, well, I made up my mind, this is what I'm going to do. Listen, it's okay to change your mind. It's okay to say, okay, I made a mistake. It's okay to say I was wrong. It's okay to reverse course. That's only a wise thing to do if you realize you're about to make a decision out of the will of God. Number 15, exercise patience. Don't rush in to a decision. Throughout Proverbs, I'll just give you one verse here, but excuse me, throughout Psalms, uh, Psalm 37, verse 34 says, wait upon the Lord. You'll find this over and over again. David is always saying, wait, 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 wait upon the Lord. Wait patiently upon him. <clears throat> Think about this. Uh, <clears throat> when you're going to buy something and a salesman approaches you, and says, can I help you? What they're really trying to say is, can I get you to spend your money? And one thing a salesman doesn't want you to do is say, well, let me think about this before I make this purchase. A salesman wants you to make the purchase. He wants you to make that purchase right now. And so the appeal to you in that way, and maybe if you're being a little bit hesitant, you want to make back off maybe they're going to sweeten the pot or to kind of make it a little bit better or give you a discount but listen they don't want you to walk out that door without making a decision says that's only good salesmanship but a lot of foolish mistakes have been made because we didn't wait on the lord we didn't pray about it. Maybe we didn't talk to our husband or our wives about it. We really didn't think it through. It just was very appealing to us. And we went, we rushed ahead. Don't do that. Number 16, don't give in to pressure. So this kind of goes along with number 15, right? Don't give in to pressure. Don't be conformed. Conform, pressured into this world. Again, a lot of times people put pressure on us to make a decision. I've experienced that in the ministry. People just put pressure on you to make it. You need to do this. You need to do that. You need to do something. Listen, don't let people pressure you. Again, you work that thing out between you and the Lord. Number 17 is be persistent in prayer. Be persistent in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without what? Ceasing. Pray, 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 pray until God gives you clear direction in whatever the matter is. Number 18, 
Has God given you a peace about the decision you're about to make? My wife will often ask me that. Dan, do you have peace about that? The Bible says that God will give us a peace that passeth all understanding. Philippians 4, 7. Now this is where you really need to be honest with yourself and with others. There's been times when I have asked individuals, do you have a peace about this? And I can see there's a hesitancy, but then they say, yeah, I have a peace about it. And I can just tell by the way they answered that question that they weren't being honest with me. So be honest with yourself. You may want something very passionately. And you may just throw it out. Oh, yeah, I have a peace about this. But do you really, has God really given you a peace to move forward with the decision that you're about to make? Number 19, is there any doubt in your mind? Is there any doubt in your mind? Romans chapter 14 and verse 23 says, And he that doubteth is damned, because whatsoever is not of faith is sin. If you cannot make that decision in full faith, knowing that this is the will of God, God says, don't do it. Any little bit of doubt in your mind, do not move forward. So let's go through these 19 and then we'll get to number 20. Number one, get your heart in a condition that it has no will of its own. Number two, clear your heart of any known sin or wrong motives. Number three, search the scriptures. Number four, look at your experiences in life. Number five, get counsel from older, godly, mature believers. Number six, get counsel from godly friends. Number seven, listen to sermons. Number eight, look for circumstances, the open and closed doors with caution and warning. Number nine, have some common sense. Number 10, listen to the cautions of the Holy Spirit. Number 11, you can look to government or law for direction. Number 12, counsel with your parents. Number 13, talk with your husband or your wife. Number 14, don't be stubborn. Number 15, Exercise patience. Number 16, don't give in to pressure. Number 17, be persistent in prayer. Number 18, do you have a peace that you know has come from the Lord? Number 19, if there's any doubt in your mind, don't. Now, let me ask you a question. If you were to follow through with every one of those when it comes to a decision that you have to make, do you think you'd make that decision in the will of God or out of the will of God? I'm telling you, this is foolproof. If you can work your way through every one of those 19, I promise you that every decision that you have to make would be made in the center of God's will and would have his blessing. Number 20. Remember when the Bible says the first shall be last? We can take number 20 and move it back up to number one. You say, well, what is number 20? It's finding God's will by trusting Christ as your Lord 
and your personal Savior. That really is step number one in finding contentment in life, of getting out of a life of dissatisfaction and finding the contentment that there is by receiving the Lord as your personal Savior. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us word. Listen to this phrase, not willing. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You that are listening here over live stream today, if you don't know the Lord, if you've had this dissatisfaction with life, if you've just been discontent, and you've really, as you look at your life, you've never come to a place of contentment. It very well could be that you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and personal Savior because that is the first step. Before you can take those 19 steps following, this is the very first step, is come to a place of faith. Give your heart to Christ. Come and trust Him as your Lord and as your personal Savior, he is not willing that any should perish. So as we conclude this message this morning, Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, Not that I speak in request of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. 1 Timothy 6, 8, Having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. Hebrews 13, 5. Let your conversation, the way you live your life, be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. Many Christians, many Christians will live their entire life never learning to be content making decision after decision after decision out of the will of God and reaping the consequences for those wrong decisions. That's not where I want you to go as your pastor. And that's not where God wants you to go. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.